0: Is
1: real. There's power in your name. We'll find hope, friend. We trust in your ways. We need Jesus is
0: real. See, faith is trusting that God's gonna fulfill his word. That's what faith is. Faith is saying God is going to do what he said he's gonna do. God is going to fulfill what he said he's going to accomplish. And for each one of us, that is us living in the present, already knowing victory has been secured. And that changes the way we fight.
1: If we already know the outcome of the battle, it changes the way we fight, doesn't it? This is a truth that Pastor Daniel wants us to hold on to today. Our God is already victorious. We need to allow the faith we have in our almighty creator to carry us through every trial, knowing that he's already won against our enemy. Nothing Satan can do can change that, so we may as well stand courageously in the midst of the battle. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Joshua chapter 12 with part two of his message, The Defeated List.
0: when you look at the Bible that everything stands on the shoulders of what happened before. So, you know, in our Bibles, you'll see that Everything about everything is not in there, but everything is sequentially ordered. And so you have Moses, and then as Joshua comes in, and Joshua's standing upon the shoulders of Moses, and then from Joshua, we're going to go through the judges, and then you end up at the prophet Samuel, and then King Saul, and King David, and King Solomon, and all these different people. But it is a, a progression. Time is pushing forward, And these two kings are in the list of the kings that were defeated because it was part of the journey that they were on. Now, as you move into verse 7, we find all the kings that were defeated by Joshua. And really what you have is that you have the 16 kings that were defeated in the southern part of the land verses 9 to 16 and then 15 kings in the northern part of the land verses 17 to 24. So for those of you who like those type of kind of details, you can write that down. You can write 15 kings, 9 to 16, southern part of the land and, and you can mark up your Bible. Now what's interesting about this is if you do the math, 15 kings and 16 kings, you find 31 kings. But how many stories of battles did we actually have in the first 12 chapters of the book of Joshua? Not many. So what does that tell you? That way more went on for the children of Israel than what we actually have recorded. And I think this is an important thing because I think oftentimes we, as we're reading this inspired text that's also historical, we have a tendency to think that we know every detail about everything and the actual truth is we don't. And one of the most important things that any of us can do as followers of Jesus is get comfortable with the fact that we don't have every piece of information, but we have everything that we actually need. And so in opportunities of biblical revelation, we have tremendous certainty, but we all have to be comfortable with a good bit of mystery. And we approach that mystery with what we call faith. Because of the, what we have certainty about, the things that we don't know, we can rely on the certainty that God has given us, and we realize that there's all sorts of details that, for whatever reason, God didn't feel that we needed. So, the book of Joshua doesn't tell every single battle of every single king. It gives us the most important battles. And I think we have to always remember that, that, you know, like, when you look at the biblical revelation, I mean, you have, the life of Abraham, the father of faith. But you only have a handful of events in this guy's life. And this guy lived to be, what, 120 years old, 140 years old? You only get, what, 10 events in his life. You have someone like the son of Jacob, who we know as Joseph. You only have the big events of his life, but his character was formed every single day. You know, Moses is one character that we have a lot about his life. But even if you think about the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, I mean, Jesus did active public ministry for three and a half years. But we only have 100 moments out of three and a half years of public ministry. And there was a lot of things that Jesus was involved in that we don't know anything about. Now, obviously, we don't just want to make up what happened in there. That's what a lot of people do because they want Jesus to be made in their image. Like, oh, well, you know, there's this thing and Jesus did this thing, but it never happens. But we have to be okay with the fact that on the things that the Bible tells us, we can be certain about, and on the things that the Bible doesn't, then we embrace by faith that God knew exactly what he was doing, and we don't need that information. Does that make sense? So we have certainty in what is revealed, and we have faith that certain things God chose not to reveal to us. Now, what it also does is when we realize that God hasn't given us every piece of information is it keeps us as followers of Jesus, from being arrogant in our understanding. And I think this is an important thing because I think we live in a day and age today where for the longest time in Western Christianity, we were so certain about everything that it also created an arrogance. And remember, Jesus is meek and lowly in heart. And so we want to make sure that we embrace the way of our Lord, that we allow ourselves to be conformed to His personality. And in the things that we know for certain, we still hold it with humility. And I think this is even more important in a day and age like today because our culture doesn't really value humility. Our culture values aggressiveness, self-confidence, but those aren't things that Jesus necessarily values. I mean, obviously Jesus, you could make the case, was the most aggressive person who ever lived. I mean, he got crucified, and he conquered the sins of the world. It's, it's a pretty aggressive endeavor, I would say. You know, and he did it in his own body. But at the same time, his way of going about the work of the kingdom was still done with a, a humility. Judas still needed to identify Jesus at his betrayal. Jesus wasn't wearing, like, a big old gold necklace that said Messiah. Diamond encrusted, you know. He didn't have like gold teeth that said, you know, Yahweh on his teeth. And, you know, there was not this whole pomp and circumstance. I mean, you know, of course, when Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem, he could have gotten himself a white thoroughbred, but he got himself a donkey, you know, a borrowed donkey at that, you know. And so you have all these things with, as it relates to Jesus. And so I want to just remind all of us that God values a humble and a quiet spirit. And I realize that one of the overarching cultural passions is to have an arrogant and a loud spirit. And God wants to cultivate something unique in each one of us. And it's amazing to me because... You know, God could really boast about all these things he's done, but he's only given us certain stories of certain battles. And then we just find out later, well, actually, a whole bunch of things happened. But a lot of it didn't get any time for us to to learn about it. So to take this first part of it, these 16 kings in the southern part of the land, starting verse 7, it says, And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan, on the west, from Baalgad to the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions. In the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain and in the slopes and in the wilderness and in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, the king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. I just love that it says Gezer in there. I just think it's so awesome. Sorry. The king of Horma one. The king of Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Adullam one. The king of Makeda, one. And the king of Bethel won. And so you notice two things here. One, one, (laughs) one. First is that the battles that were fought were fought in all different lands with all different dynamics. And I think that's important to realize because you notice when it begins going, it says in the mountain country and in the lowlands and the plain and in the slopes and in the wilderness And so the idea is is that the battles that God is fighting in all of our lives have different terrains and dynamics involved. It's like God isn't only victorious in our lives in one area. There's all sorts of parts of our lives. And so these battles, this land that they were inheriting was a multifaceted land. It wasn't just flat. There was mountains and lowlands. There was plains and slopes there was wilderness and the idea of course of the south oftentimes it's the negev which is the desert right and so you have all these different terrains and i think what's interesting if we're going to apply it to our lives is that the battles that god is fighting in our lives where we are looking to walk into the victory and the inheritance of what god has for us there's going to be emotional things and there's going to be Spiritual things and there's going to be practical things and there's going to be things that are real deep heart issues. And sometimes it's just going to be real surfacey, real life, normal stuff. And the thing that I want to really make sure that we all realize is that if you are in Christ, you are already a conqueror. Jesus already has defeated all of those necessary things. But for each one of us, it's about us learning how to walk in that victory. A great example of this is we read in the Bible about the kingdom of God and scholars would always tell you that the kingdom of God is already and not yet, right? Like it's here and it's coming, right? Now in the same way, the Bible says that when a man and a woman get married, the two become one flesh. On a day when a biological man and a biological woman get married, they spiritually become one flesh. But then every single day of their married life, they are learning how to walk in who they already are. And anybody who's been married knows that that's a lifetime process. You know? It's like, on the day that you get married, you are positionally one flesh, but experientially, you're learning. In the same way, the Bible says that if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. They've been completely justified and you're perfected. But, every single day, as a follower of Jesus, you are learning how to walk in the experience of this new position. And the Bible calls that sanctification. So the sanctification process is us actually experiencing and living out who we already are in Christ. And for each one of us in the areas of our lives where there is battles going on, you're already a conqueror, and it's about us learning how to walk in the victory that was already bought by Jesus on the cross. Now, doesn't that change the way that you battle? Because sometimes you battle, and, and if you like movies, and I love myself a good Drama that is based on the battlefield, you know? And all those movies, one of the things that in the midst of the movie, which obviously is a movie, nobody actually knows the outcome. So, like, you know, whether it's the Lord of the Rings movies or, of course, you know, there's always new Star Wars movies coming out. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. But in all these things, there's always that moment where, like, we're not going to win, right? We're not going to win. And you're hoping it's going to Turn out the way that you wanted to. Now what's interesting for us in Christ is that you're already a conqueror so you actually already have been victorious. And it's kind of like if you missed a football game but you found out who won but you went back and watched it. Doesn't that change it? It's like if you already know that the team that you're hoping would win you already know that they won then you can go back and watch the game right? or the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. And the Falcons were up by like 30 points at the end of the first half, right? By all accounts, this was lost. And if, you know, I won't spoil it. Everyone knew it happened. The Patriots came back and they won the game. Now, what's amazing is if you would have missed the game, but you taped the game, and you would have known that the Patriots won and you were watching the first half, already knowing that the Patriots won, wouldn't it have been a different experience than those of us who watched it as it happened? You're like, oh man, the Patriots are getting blown out right now. And the difference is, is your knowledge of the outcome changes your perspective in the midst of the battle. And brothers and sisters, for too many of us, we're not allowing our knowledge of the outcome to affect the way that we're battling in the present. For too many of us, we're forgetting that, You already know how the book ends. You already know that Jesus is victorious. He has overcome. Those who believe and are redeemed will always be with the Lord and will never not be. When you battle from that place of already knowing the outcome, it changes your perspective in the battle. See, the children of Israel, now that they're on the other side of all these victories, they have a fresh perspective, but actually God told them in advance he was going they were going to be victorious. So are you battling today from a comfortable place of knowing that you're victorious? Or are you battling today being like, man, I hope this works out. And I think that perspective, again, we call that walking by faith. Trusting in God. See, faith is trusting that God's gonna fulfill his word. That's what faith is. Faith is saying God is going to do what he said he's gonna do. God is gonna fulfill what he said he's gonna accomplish. And for each one of us, that is us living in the present, already knowing victory has been secured. And that changes the way we fight. So if you're here today and you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling like this is never going to work, I want to encourage you to embrace the gospel. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, so you can believe in Jesus and still not believe the gospel in your daily life. You know how I know that? Cause I'm living this life like everybody else. I believe in Jesus, but there are often times I catch myself and I'm like, I believe in Jesus, but I'm actually not living like I believe Jesus right now. Or, I believe in Jesus, I'm actually not thinking like I believe in Jesus right now. I believe in Jesus and I've been redeemed by Jesus, but I'm actually acting like an atheist right now. Just hoping that the universe is going to come to my rescue. And God wants us to learn how to truly walk in the spirit, to believe the gospel, to trust God, and to battle with a relentless hope. That we can go through these struggles with a quietness of heart, with a peacefulness about us, knowing that yes, it's a struggle and yes, it's hard, but we are not those who battle as those who don't have hope. Worst case scenario, we lose our lives and then we get to go to our forever home. Even better than this. Without all the struggles, without all the issues, without all the nonsense that goes on. So either way, we're good, but we need to embrace that in the midst of all that's going on. Now, can we just be honest? Isn't that hard to do sometimes? But this is the walk of faith. This is what it is. See, now the children of Israel are getting this simple list, like this guy. Yeah, he got defeated. This guy. He got defeated. This guy. He got defeated. And the children of Israel were meant to walk into the promised land believing already that God was going to do all this stuff. Now, picking up in the conquest of the northern part of the land, verse 17, the king of Tepua won, the king of Hefer won, the king of Ephek won, the king of Lacharon won, the king of Madon won, the king of Hazor won, the king of Shimron, Meron, can we all say together, won... The king of Ashpash, one, the king of Tanakh, one, the king of Megiddo, one, the king of Kadesh, the king of Hokanim and Carmel, the king of Dor in the heights of Dor, the king of the people of Gilgal, the king of Tirzah, and all the kings, 31. What's so beautiful about this is that each king was its own battle, its own city state, but ultimately, life is victorious in little battles that accumulate and ultimately aggregate to a great victory. Now, I'm gonna draw this conquest series to a conclusion with this idea. For too many of us, We don't realize that when we win, we have little victories every single day in the little battles, that you have enough little victories in the battles. If you keep having them, ultimately you enter into the abundant life. We're so busy looking for the big battles, but it's like every single day, we just trust Jesus, walk by faith, simply respond to Jesus, and we have a victory. For some of us, the victory is just getting up tomorrow and opening your Bible. That's a victory. That alone, just you getting up. And before you put anything else into your heart, you put the word of God in. And before you talk to anybody else tomorrow, you talk to your Savior. Right? That. You win that small victory. That's going to change your day. Right? And then what's the next victory? What's the, for some of you, the next victory is deciding, you know, instead of going and crushing a box of Lucky Charms or Froot Loops, I'm going to eat something that's like remotely healthy, you know, and it's like, and then you win that victory, right? And then you go to work or whatever, or you go to school and that victory is I'm not going to have road rage instead of being all crazy. I'm going to pray for everyone I drive past and small victory. And then you get to your job or you get to school and whatever is, what's the small victory? And then you move through your day and you move through your day and at each step, it's a small thing. It's just one thing. And you win that victory. And I'm here to tell you, if you string together all that stuff and whatever your landmines are, whatever the kryptonite is that makes you weak, that breaks you, and we all have it, For some of you, it's like you got to drive by the convenience store and not go in and buy alcohol, right? Or you need to drive by the convenience store. You need to not go in and buy cigarettes or you need to be on your computer doing work, but you need to not go to websites that hollow out your soul. Or you need to be able to go online and not buy things that you can't afford and you don't need, but you're just trying to fill something you can't fill with stuff, like, like we all got these things, just no matter what it is, and if you can just figure out, like, what's my victory in that? And if you can get that victory, and you can tack it on to all these other small victories, you get through one day, and guess what? You're like, man, that was a good day. I got in the Word. I avoided temptation. I sensed the presence of God. That's kind of good. And then you know what you do? You go to bed, and you know what you do? You wake up the next day, and you have a whole another set of battles. And brothers and sisters, listen. The abundant life is lived one little fight at a time. What are the fights that you're in right now? What are the things that you're like, man, I just need to get that thing done. Break it down into a small victory. I was reading some research on the importance of making your bed. It's fascinating. They were saying that if the first thing you do when you wake up is you make your bed, it's one of the best things for you because it's a little victory. Like it's literally, science is telling you that. Like you get up and make your bed, like what your parents tried to make you do when you're growing up. Like it's actually great for you because it's a small victory that you can build upon because at least that thing's done. That's closed. It's not every time you walk in your room like, yeah, that thing's not made. Oh, who cares, right? And it's so much of life in Christ is about these one little victories at a time.
1: Jesus is real. Following God doesn't always have to be a big lifestyle overhaul. It might just need to start with small, simple steps of obedience. Today, Pastor Daniel encouraged us to begin making little adjustments to our routine if the big leap is too hard might be something as simple as starting the day in the word or changing one habit that's leading us down the wrong path. As we take small steps, we'll draw even closer to God. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Today's message brought Pastor Daniel's Conquest series to a close. Throughout our time with the Israelites, we've discovered just how important it is to not only rely on God for our daily needs, but also to look to him to guide our steps. When Israel sought God's counsel, they were victorious. But when they relied on their own strength, they met defeat. God knows our future and will always be the best resource we have. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.